This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. A reading from Genesis. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you. As many as came out of the ark, I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Holy wisdom, holy word. Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased." And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is coming near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. During this Lenten season, we are going to be guided in much of our Sunday worship by the theme Covenant and Cross. The appointed readings for the Sundays in Lent lead us to make the connection between God's ancient covenant promises and and their fulfillment in the final everlasting covenant born in the mystery of the cross and secured in the resurrection we long to celebrate. In the covenants of old with the people of Israel, God's living, life-giving promise calls upon the people to respond with the trust, the deep trust of faith. 
And so it is with us today in the covenant sealed with the cross of Christ. Today, 1 Peter makes the connection for us between the waters of the flood from which emerged a renewed covenant of life and the waters of life in baptism that the flood foreshadowed. As we ponder this connection, we get a sense of the scope, the large scope of God's grace. Looking first at the story of Noah that concludes our Old Testament reading, I am immediately drawn to a sermon preached by my former teacher and dear friend, the late Joseph Sittler, one of the nation's most eloquent preachers in the 20th century. I cherish the memory of that junior-senior friendship we enjoyed. And the sermon I have in mind, he based on our text concerning God's covenant promise to Noah. But before I get to the most, that most memorable image of Sittler's sermon, there is something else about him that prompts another observation about the Noah story. Sittler was a passionate environmentalist at a time when few Christian leaders were. His concern for human conduct in relation to God's earth opens our eyes to the implications of the flood story that are totally relevant for today. Though two of all species of animals are said to have been saved in the ark, the flood destroyed all other living things. The text simply says, the flood destroyed the earth. And as the flood story goes, God sent the flood because of the sinfulness of humankind. As a result, living things, innocent living things of the earth perished. Now, it is not hard to see an analogy with human conduct so destructive to our earth in today's world. As scrupulously as we may be in our individual environmentally conscientious habits, we cannot avoid being implicated in a global society of environmental degradation. And this is cause for repentance during this season of Lent. Yet repentance also means turning about from what is wrong to seeking what is right in the eyes of God. There are no Christian environmental public policies per se, but there is a Christian community that knows that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, to quote the psalm. It is a community of faith that knows that when God created humanity in the divine image, God gave us the charge to care for the earth. We are to be a voice for the voiceless in the public square. That is a voice for the good earth and all the creatures that depend upon it. And now the alluring image of Sittler's sermon. The sermon was entitled The Nimbus and the Rainbow. Now, nimbus, as you may know, is another word for halo. And in the medieval and renaissance paintings of Mary and Jesus and the saints, 
we see depicted a halo around their heads indicating holiness. With Sittler, God's rainbow, a sign of the covenant with all the earth given to Noah, God's rainbow is the halo around the entire creation, a sign that it is holy to God and therefore should be holy to us. The nimbus or the rainbow speaks to us of the limitless scope of God's grace. Grace is not strictly restricted to human beings. God's grace extends and infuses all of creation. In God's relation to the world, creation, redemption, and sanctification is a seamless blend of a single loving act. In the creed, we speak of the Father as creator, the Son as redeemer, the Spirit as sanctifier. But in the intimate, inseparable unity of the persons of the Trinity, each is fully involved in the works of the other. All of creation is created, redeemed, and sanctified. And this brings us to the connection that First Peter makes between the covenant with Noah and the covenant enacted by the cross of Christ. What transpired on the cross that fateful day, we ask, and how can we understand it? These questions will occupy our thoughts throughout this Lenten season. But for today, we understand the event of the cross, first of all, as God's atoning action, God's atonement work. And the Bible gives us a number of images of Christ's atoning work that help us to see the vast scope of God's grace. In Colossians 1, a text we had some time ago, we are told that God has made peace with all things on earth and in heaven through the blood of the cross. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, Paul says God was in Christ reconciling the world to God's own self. And in the famous passage, John 3.16, it is said that God so loved the world. And the Greek word for world is cosmos. Cosmos. In Romans, Paul tells us that the salvation of humankind and the whole creation are bound together. He says that the creation has been groaning in travail, awaiting the deliverance of the children of humanity. Now, the Greek behind groaning in travail is a phrase that one would apply to the pains of childbirth. The creation has suffered the same brokenness as that of human sin. But because of the atoning work of the cross, Peter tells us, we emerge from the waters of baptism in a new birth, and by the same atoning work, the creation groaning in travail will be born in a new creation. Indeed, says Paul, there is in Christ a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has dawned. And Revelation speaks to us of a new heaven and a new earth. 
the scope of God's grace like the halo of the rainbow that covers the whole of the earth with holy glow is universal. The scope of God's grace is universal. And so as the halo of the rainbow covers the entire creation with holiness, so the atoning work of Christ is cosmic in scope. And through him, the grace of God extends everywhere and to everyone. Now, once we have said all these things about the endless scope of God's grace and God's creating, redeeming, and sanctifying presence everywhere in the world, the question arises and is hard to choke back. Why so much evil? Why so much evil when God, who is gracious, is everywhere? How is it that such things as that horrendous school shooting in Florida happen? How is it that it is not just the one, but yet another one of that? And so schools and hospitals and law enforcement agencies now have regular drills in place for such events, which they now anticipate. How is it that people with deeply distorted religious views are ready to blow themselves up in order to kill innocent people in the name of God? How is it that terrorism is so much a part of our lives that we practically have to strip naked to get on an airplane? How is it that while the Holocaust still lives in our corporate memory, there is a rise in anti-Semitism and racist neo-Nazi fervor? Why so much hate? Why so much violence? Why so much death? The question gnaws at the bones and tissue of our faith. This is the problem of evil, a problem that has plagued the faithful throughout the ages to the present. And in the minds of many, there has never been a satisfactory answer. <laughs> Indeed, why did Christ have to die? Why couldn't God have resolved matters more efficiently or never let it get out of hand in the first place. It's most helpful, I think, to realize that what God reveals of God's self is love. God is love, we confess. The cosmic scope of God's grace is this cosmic scope of God's love. It is God's love that is all-powerful. It is the very nature of love, then, that love wills the freedom of the beloved. Sadly, humankind has exercised and continues to exercise that freedom in terribly destructive ways against the good creation and against each other. Yet the love of God's grace remains with us, always striving to heal and create anew. God, I am sure, is at work among all those who respond with care and compassion to those who have suffered in this most recent horror. And God is at work always in many quieter, smaller, but no less sorrowful moments of suffering and death. First Peter mentions the saving grace of baptism in which we are united with Christ and Christ is 
united with us. The Christ with us in baptism is the cosmic Christ present throughout the world. In speaking of the Lord's Supper, Luther defended the belief that Christ's body and blood are truly present in the bread and wine, even though the risen Christ has ascended, Luther said, he is still at the same time present everywhere. This is a paradox of faith, but one essential to a full understanding of the scope of God's grace and the present of God in our lives and the life of the world. It means, too, that God is with us in this immediate and intimate fashion. God suffers with us in the desperate state of humanity. We know that God's love has triumphed for the future of the new creation in the victory of Easter, but the world remains broken, and until that future comes, we live under the shadow of the cross. Lent reminds us of this fact. Even though in our present lives we have not been guilty of terrible deeds, we are still part of the broken world. It is us. It is us. So we call upon God's mercy for ourselves and for all people. And the scope of God's grace is great enough to empower even the likes of us to be a force for the good in our stricken world. We are constant in prayer. We keep the faith so that our neighbors seeing our trust may also find hope. Under the halo of God's rainbow, we, like Noah, are called to be guardians of life. Noah listened to God's call and followed it. And floating in the chaos of the floodwaters, created an island of life and new hope. Out of the waters of baptism, we emerge soaked in divine grace to create ever more islands of care and compassion in the troubled waters of our own time. That is what we do. That is what we do. God help us. Amen.